actually. Well, like, but I'm bad at the word thing. What's up? Did oh, you? I wrote a poetry scene in Kansas, and I'm I wouldn't have called it that. Wow. Welcome to Not That You Care. We're live. Hello. Ah. Hi. Hey. We're not live. We're dead. <laughs> On, you know, Facebook says that I, I died. Wait, it what? It did that to me. It did that to multiple people recently. It has, like, that thing where it says, like, remembering Austin. Why? And I don't know. Like, Kim posted And then I, like, reposted it, and I was like, I'm emotionally dead. Hmm. But I'm not, because I cry Same. all the time. I uh, mean, I just did it for the joke. You uh-huh. don't need this. Dogs are cool. We're recording in a living room, so oh. the audio might not be mixed perfectly well. Yeah, we're in a Especially since I don't mix the audio. But it's literally just a mono recording. It's ag- absolutely, but there's a dog jumping from couch to couch. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect timing. Um, well, yeah. Pushed well, him off the couch. <laughs> no. Well, welcome to Not That You Care. It's a conversational podcast that we do every other week now, because that just kind of happened. Uh. It's a conversational podcast where everybody just kind of brings a topic. Um, it's a momentous occasion. Aaron. Hello. Oh, I should introduce people. Joining <laughs> us is Aaron Gonzalez. Hi. Uh, longtime veteran, uh, professional pooper, Nick Shields. What's up? My name is Jonathan Richter, and it's a momentous occasion. Do you know why, Aaron? Yes. Because... There's a cat right in front of me. Cat! Cat oh, move! Cat. I'm gonna put it. Kitty, 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 Come here. Wow. Kitty cat. You're this the worst thing. Going off to a great start. Uh, this is the best episode we've ever done. <laughs> it's a momentous occasion because somehow it took us like nine episodes or ten episodes this is to 10, get. I think. Yeah, yeah. To get. Whoa, whoa! It's our tenth anniversary. Just kidding. No. No. <laughs> um, Just say There's girls. Goes. There's girls. There's Female. girls. Females. We know women. <laughs> we do talk to females. We have, fem- yeah. You have a girl. There's there are ladies on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. finally. Uh, the first of the the two ladies is Austin. Austin Degelman. Yeah. Austin Degelman. Nice. No one ever says it right. Um, Degel. Well, no, darn right, I did. Degel, Degel. It's fine. I don't even think you know my last name, so. Oh shoot! I saw it on Facebook because you tagged Aaron <laughs> in the picture that you took just now. What? I'm gonna let Aaron introduce the other, because I'm like the worst friend ever. All right. Well, what's her name? Uh, Sam Sloopski. That's Sam Sloopski. That's me. Cool. Is that? Is it really Sloopski? It is really Sloopski. Cool. That count. Most people say Sloopski. See, we can't ever trust Aaron. With yeah, I was about to str- <laughs> I was about to say like, because that sounds made up, but I didn't want to just you know, say that about that your last name. Well, it. It's Polish. Nice. Same. Polish, hardly know it. Well, oh I think it could use that doesn't even make sense. I think your delivery on those facts could use a little Polish before you <laughs> start saying it some more. So, what do you Anyways, Stop. our this... first topic, it comes from one of the first, the first ladies of Not That the You Care. The first lady? The first lady. Like a president? So, go for it. Talk. Um. Be- I literally was thinking about this in the bathroom when I was peeing, and I was like, <laughs> "Man, didn't I say at Fuego that I had a good idea, and y'all no. were like, save it till we get there?" And now I can't remember it. That's why you write it down. God. 
All right, Sam, go. Okay, well, my thought was the idea of originality and uh, how recently I feel like I don't have any original thought, especially that mostly just stems from, like, social media and seeing the same thing being vomited on the page over and over again. Like Melania Trump stealing Michelle Obama's speech. Yeah. Um, I mean, I understand. My Twitter bio is literally, I've never had an original joke in my life. I don't, right. gets, I don't follow him. And Aaron that. steals all of Carlos's jokes. Man, I was about to, yeah. Um, but I really, it it scares me because I'm like, I think, and I'm like, as an artist, I'm like, has anything I've ever written been like my own? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like a lot of the times after you like will perform something, sometimes people will come up and be like, Oh, that sounded so much like this. And they try to say it as a compliment. And then you're just like, like, oh, okay, well. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to do that. I guess I copied this person. But but in the same vein, like, the way that I think about it is, like, as specifically artists, like, obviously you draw your inspiration from something. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily, like, a bad thing. And I'd still say it's original unless, like, your intent going in was, like, I want it to sound or feel like this like if you go in saying like this is something I created even if it is similar to another artist's work like I still feel like it's original because it was an original thought in your head it might have just been subliminally subliminally put there right well it doesn't even have to be like with art either like my thing just like with like recent events is just like a lot of thoughts that I see it's like oh do people have these opinions because they like actually believe them or do they have these opinions because, like, they read it somewhere else? Which, like, I guess necessarily doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. they could, like, read something and be like, oh, like, that resonated with me, so that is now my belief. But I think that could also be a bad thing because it can be, like, an uneducated, like, belief or opinion. I don't know. So my thought on this, so I used to read C.S. Lewis, like, religiously. <laughs> and... Um, a quote from him that stuck with me, especially because. Um, <laughs> Ew. Pascal. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Don't. That's a poop. Just, like, <laughs> poop out of the couch. Walked out of here, <laughs> the litter box. all over his face. Ugh. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a... All right. Okay. So. so. Why are you taking your clothes off? Oh. That was Nick. Come here. Way. Oh, that's hilarious. Thanks, dude. Um. Come here. So body shaming is not funny. <laughs> we are never gonna. Be We're never gonna have a serious conversation, are we? No, Go ahead. No. Okay. So the the quote paraphrasing it is um, no no person who's ever bothered with originality has ever achieved it, um, but a person not caring at all about what other people think and just trying to tell the truth as best as possible will be original without having thought about it. So, like, personally, I, like, I find myself intentionally taking inspiration from and trying to make art that makes people feel like I feel when I've experienced it, like, whether that be novels, poetry, music, whatever. Um, But telling my own story as best I can or the way that I see the world. Um, 
and like when I listen to my own music, I can hear exactly where I got certain things from. Mm-hmm. And when people listen to my music, they always tell me, oh, it sounds like this or that or this or that, um, which is fine. But I think that the originality comes from, at least in art, how you process the things that you take in and then use those things to tell your own story. Yeah, for sure. I think to some degree, maybe it's because I have a somewhat low opinion of myself or my stuff just naturally but like when people come up to me and say like oh like this reminded me of like x band or blah 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 Mm -hmm. like that's a huge compliment to me but it's whenever i'll write a song and play it out a couple weeks and then play another song that i really like and then come to that realization of oh this is kind of super similar like it's it's worse whenever I find it out myself because then I'm like I don't know I feel like I have this secret that I'm keeping now like oh I plagiarized this but you know no one can know that's me with every song I write I just love when like I write like a guitar riff or something or like a lyric I'm like yo that's super cool and then like a couple weeks later I'll be listening to music in my car and hear that from some other band like pop up and be like Oh, that's where I got that. Especially in like communities of artists where people are like always together and Mm -hmm. doing things. You'll hear a lot of, um, and they're not doing it on purpose, but they'll take like a line and it sometimes it's like exactly the same, sometimes it's just like the same concept, but people will be like, oh, you stole that. It's like you didn't mean to steal it, it's just like when you draw inspiration from the people around you, sometimes it's hard to, like, not right. sound like them. Right. Especially, like, in, like, small communities, like, mm-hmm. it's so easy, like, like, if you see someone that, like, you look up to, like, especially, it's like, oh, like, I want to be like that person, or, like, I really admire that person for the way that they, like, they, like perform, or, like, write, like, the writing style, whatever, it's like, like you said, it's like, kind of, it's like, it's a compliment. You know, so you're like, oh, I sound like this person that I am influenced by. Cool. That's tight. And that, like, and it's, like, kind of what you said, like, you know, we all experience things differently, so why feel bad for just, like, using, I guess not using, but, like, pulling inspiration from something to, like, kind of make a full-formed, like, little artistic baby of <laughs> little dog whining. That's a, that's not a dog. Keep it on. Is that, that was Keep, a dog. Yeah. Oh. That totally sounds that sounds like Nick was like trying to hold in a fart. Poop You want to like I'm not gonna let him back out here because you sweet cat poop. Um that's a valid reason. Then he could like flip it around and like so like <laughs> I thought you were talking about the food. No, no I'm trying to go back to see his yeah, conversation like <laughs> yeah. um, so like there's obviously times when I'm writing <laughs> I hate I hate everybody in this room this is going Nick, very well Nick it took 10 episodes for this podcast to fall apart <laughs> we had a good run you know I'll never forget the day I wrote uh, my favorite song I've ever written it was uh, wow. espresso and cigarettes. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. It was great. And then I found out someone else wrote a song kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fuck that guy. But Shoot. I'm Jonathan Richter and I host this bitch. I forgot yes, to say uh, that. Yes, you forgot to say that. Yeah. yeah I had to say um, it. So, like, if it, like, at this whole cliche of, like, imitation is the highest form of flattery or whatever, like, obviously when I am writing songs, a lot of times I'll be like, I kind of want it to be in this vein. Like, I want it to sound like this, like, this band or, like, in this lyrical style or whatever. And so I think, like, that originality is, like, that can be original by saying, like, I very drawing influence from this band or this poet or this uh, author, but kind of putting my own spin on it and putting my own experiences in it and my own twist on it and making it, like, I'm imitating them, they're heavily influencing me, but I'm doing it my way. So, like, yeah, yeah. So, you're taking, you're putting an original spin on something. I was trying to make, but I just, like, couldn't articulate it. Not even, not even just with art, but with, like, life in general. I kind of have this theory that there's no such thing as individualism. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're just like. Because everything that we do and everything that we are is a response to something. Like, um, like to some degree, the answer to your question is no. There's no such thing right. as original thought because no one is able to come up with something on their own. Um, like people who strive to be individuals, sometimes that's a response to people wanting them to be something. So they're like, "No, screw you! I'm gonna be this." Or um, I don't know. Like from the moment you're born, like your condition to be something, and you either accept that or reject that. Yeah, I mean. The way that, like, I think about it sometimes, too, it's, like, you know, from, like, the first, like, whatever, like, series of belief you, like, come from or, like, believe in, just, like, the first, like, human that, like, walked the earth, like, their their first thought was, like, original, and then, like, from then on, like, that, I, like, have to wonder if, like, that's, you know, how that, how life works, it's, like, oh, that one original thought, and then, like, now everything is just that was a reaction to, I don't know and now there's so many people that even if you think of something that none of your like people in your someone has your sphere of knowing yeah. like someone else has thought of it. well yeah. would you say that like all thought is inspired so does inspiration cancel originality Again, I think it depends what you're doing with that inspiration. Are you literally just copying and regurgitating, or it's so like whenever you write papers in school, like the big thing was like don't just regurgitate facts, like offer facts and then offer commentary on, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of how it is. Is like you put your own spin on what you already know and what you've heard and what's inspired you or what's molded you into who you are. I always, like, think whenever I'm thinking something, I'm like, why do I think that? <laughs> like, why am I thinking that way? And what, like, what... I think about that a lot with, like, the way that the world works. It's like, why is it not the, like, opposite of how it is? And I get, like, stuck in, like, a weird wormhole of thought. It's like, oh, gosh, what if, like, once upon a time, like, women were the ones that were actually, like... <laughs> in charge at first or like things like that it's like what happened in the universe like and then you know you have, mm-hmm. that's like a completely different thought of like mm-hmm. everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. but it's like 
I don't even know if I believe in that. <laughs> yeah, well, like, but, and I don't want to be too depressing. Like, right. I, like, well, I, I don't think that, like, true individualism, like, exists. Like, there are still things that make people unique and incredible people. Absolutely. Um, and at the same time, like, even if inspiration was philosophically thought to, like, negate individualism, like, inspiration is sort of the, what, it's the spice of life. I don't know. What if um, originality is taking this debate or like conversation and just rejecting it and choosing to live your life as if it wasn't a factor? Like understanding that, you know, we all have the same essential building blocks to work with, but it's how you arrange it and not thinking about it, just doing it. I think that's a good point. And at the same time, I think that, um, like, if true individuality was a thing, then solidarity wouldn't. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's even scarier to think about to me. Like, not having lots of things in common with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's easy to get lost in a crowd, but having that, like, these people share the same aspirations that I do or they've been through the same things like that's I mean, that's what that's makes huge. close friends friends is like the fact that they either have common experiences or common opinions or like common aspirations yeah maybe originality is and this could go back to like the C.S. Lewis quote that you brought up earlier but like originality is not thinking about originality mm-hmm Originality is kind of the absence of the idea of originality, almost. Because mm-hmm. it's just not, it's a non-factor, it's just, you're doing legitimately what you want to do. Or want to say, or how to dress, or what art you make. Well, I think yeah. the interesting thing is that a lot of people are, like, super obsessed with the idea of being an individual. You know? Like, they... What? A spider. Um, it's a spider, dude. Um, I just like think. I don't put a shoot burn on the wall. Loud pop in three, two, one. Yeah. Oh. Aaron just murdered something. Nope, well, not it. Well, okay, well. <laughs> this is the best podcast ever. Oh my God. <laughs> There's so many living things, one of which just died. And there's also a moth on the ceiling. It's been That's... there all day. <laughs> Anyway. The cat was like trying to get to it earlier. I was like, dude, it's a there's no way you're gonna jump up there to get that. He was trying though. Uh, so, like credits to that. Got it. Well, Thank I lost you. my train of thought. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. In another van, like being a cat would be cool. <laughs> Is that your other topic? <laughs> oh, I don't remember what I was gonna talk about. Segue into that, please. So, do you ever like. Not necessarily mean to lie about something, but you do, and then it just kind of like barrels into like this really big, like part of your existence. Like, so, a, an example, like I was, I had a class with like some guy, and he came up to me after class once and was like, "Hey, you're Jamie's room, right?" <laughs> this is a good story. And <laughs> have I told you this story? Yeah. Okay. 
And I was like, yeah, in a sarcastic way. I was like, no, I'm not Jamie's roommate. But he's like, okay, can you tell her that I'm sorry? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, um, oh no, I don't know. And he's like, please. He's like, I know she's mad at me. And just like kept going on and on about this. I was like, well, I was like, how do I back out of this now? And it was like. I was so uncomfortable, so I was like, I'll just keep, like, going with it. And I was like, well, I don't know if when I'll get to talk to her, because she's out of town this weekend. He's like, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my I was like, what's happening? And I was like, I'll let her know, but it's probably something that, like, you should talk to her about. He's like, all right, thanks for understanding. And I was like. Like, never spoke to him again after that. And then, like, another time, I was scratching my eye, and then my friend Patrick was like, ugh, contact problems. And I didn't hear what he said, but instead of just, like, a normal person asking him what he said, I just said, yeah. <laughs> and then he starts talking about, like, contacts, and he kept, like, asking me about my contacts. And I was like, I don't wear contacts. Oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I just kept saying yes, because I didn't know. I was like, I'm already, like, too deep into this because like, like, you have a fear of, the, of like you backing out and thinking you're like stupid yeah or like or is it like lying like because i wouldn't consider those like whenever like you started talking like, about that i was like that, that situation so i kind of i experienced this in kind of a serious situation chicken nuggets don't count no um i'm taking a design class this semester and uh like, all of the assignments that I'm turning in in this class are creating, like, a brand guide for nice. some company. And so I decided to do the Fox in the Ground, which I'm honestly half-assing stuff that I'll never use. But it's <laughs> getting the you, ball rolling or whatever. Why don't you hole-ass something and you'll have something to use? Well, I could, but that would require me putting effort into something in my life, and I'm not capable. <laughs> do you care about That's the story for another... That'll be my topic. Anyways, um... One of the things we had to do was create a logo in Adobe Photoshop. And I like started looking, like I did a Google image search of like, you know, um, uh, like foxes and like just a black silhouette of a fox. And I found one that like it said the like rights were, you know, available for reuse without restriction. And I was like, awesome. So I put it in there and then I like used the specific font that I had in the brand guide to like put uh, like the fox in the ground name within it. Um, and then I was getting ready to turn it in but then I looked at the assignment again and it was like, you need like the logo, the logo type, which would be the letters, mm -hmm. and then a combination of them. And I'm like, well crap, all I have is a combination. So I split them, like I put them together like I had and then I split them to where one was just the outline of the fox and the other one was just the words. And I turned in the assignment, and a couple of days later, I was like thinking about it, and I was like, technically, I did not create the logo that I just turned in for this class. Like, and it was it was not in, like intentional. Like mm -hmm. at the time, I wasn't thinking about that, but I was like, this could be bad. <laughs> and I ended up getting an okay grade. And next time another assignment for it rolls around, I'm gonna change it to something that's something I made, but, like, first off, why are we using Photoshop? 
Because it's what my professor is making us do. Your professors. What's wrong with Photoshop? Illustrator. Okay, poster. No, okay. you're right. We were using Remember Illustrator. You, like, the, the, I did a poster. To like let you Photoshop. use my Photoshop. Because right. I had like the teacher edition, and yeah. you're like, let me let me download a copy of it, and then you kept it forever. My bad. Anyways, I thought like, about that. <laughs> I was just caught in this situation of like, do I email Prof yeah. like right now and be like, yo. I think I messed up. Didn't mean to do this. Or do I just wait and see and have plausible deniability? <laughs> so, similar story to that. I took a class. It was probably English easiest class of my entire college career that I dropped and then retook. It was English 104. And um, the second time I took it, all the assignments were exactly the same. So like I was just like I'm just gonna reuse these assignments that I did on the first one and just polish them up because I didn't get good grades on them. But like mm-hmm. the substance was there, I just didn't put the effort into it. So I did that, and like I actually um I had to go to honor council for self plagiarism, like because uh-huh. that's a thing. And like I explained my situation, and like yeah, don't do this again. But like that, so that's kind of like yeah, that was just like. Yeah. Just reusing, like, like it, that it was copying. Accidental. It was copying myself. Yeah. But um, on another note, in high school, I had a huge problem with lying. I would lie about everything, whether it was important, not important, big or small. Like my friends just knew me as a kid. Like you're the compulsive liar. I don't trust what you're saying, Nick, because you lie all the time. And, mm-hmm. Like it was literally like like me. Yeah, like you. But, like, it would be as simple as, like, hey, Nick, what'd you have for dinner yesterday? And I would lie about it. Like, not that there's any reason to lie about it, but I would. Um, And there was times where I would lie about stuff, and I was like, oh, I can't. Because when I was trying to, like, get rid of that kind of perception that I was a liar, I would lie about stuff, but I wouldn't want people to know I lie about it. So, like, I would have to become my lie. Yeah. And, like, run with it. So there's times... And even it's happened in college a few times where I've, where I've had a lie. And I was just, I can't admit that I lied or didn't tell the truth. So I would actually see my personality mm-hmm. mold into this lie. And I would basically be a lie. Like, legitimately, like a personified version of a lie. So depressing. Well, no, yeah. like, I totally, well, like, that was me as well. Like, I think everybody's guilty of that to, like, some degree. Did you ever, like, get to the point where, like someone would be like hey did this happen and you would lie and be like either no or yes and you just don't think about it and it just happened but they ask that and then like when they question you like I would find myself like getting genuinely offended like how could they like like think that that I would Um, lie about that like I didn't lie about that and then I'd like a small part of me would be like but you did but (laughs) the rest of me would be like how dare like I can't believe that they thought that like like, I did I wouldn't and like you convince yourself yeah it's scary it's really scary the thing that like I found myself doing a lot as like a kid like I had like a very unconventional childhood like it was really weird and like my parents were super weird and so like whenever I'd like be in school or something and my friends would ask me about like whatever I'd like find myself lying myself into normalcy 
I'd like be like, oh yeah, no, I like totally played soccer, or, like I totally, you know, saw this movie and did this thing. When like in reality, like, nope, that never happened. But it's like I didn't want people to think I was like this super weird person, with, like super weird parents. So I could just be like, oh yeah, no, like my dad has a normal job and you know everything was like fine. And then like finally, like when it's like I got when I got to high school, I like really embraced. I was like. Yeah, like my you know parents are, you know, disabled, whatever. Like, and I'm just gonna embrace it. And yeah. Like, cause it really, I had to like break that when like, cause I was like the kid where I would like never invite my friends over to like to my house, and they'd always be like, Sam, like, why don't we go to your house? I'm like, mm, you don't understand. Just, like, just down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then like finally in high school, like one of my friends was like, Can I just come over to your house? And I was like, Okay, but like I need you to understand something. <laughs> like it's weird. And then if, if at that point I was like, oh, like, I do not have to lie about, like, who I am because, like, it's the people that, like, actually, you know, that matter that, like, won't right. care, like, what I came from or whatever. So it's, like, molding who you are into, like, what's not true. I don't know. Then that brings up, the uh, like, the concept of just, like, lying for convenience. Like, there's times when I'm in conversations where I'm asked a question, like, have you seen this video? And you're like... <laughs> I don't want to watch this video. Either that or yeah, like... I'm talking to Josh. <laughs> like... <laughs> redact that, redact that. He listens. <laughs> no, that's fine. But like, it, it, it happens. I don't do it with you, Austin, but there's a lot... <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a lot of times when like, people ask like, have you seen this movie? I haven't seen the movie. Oh God, you but I'll, I'll just be like, yeah. And then they'll, like, start asking questions about it. Yeah, and, like, and you have to... Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, like, I just lie out of convenience because I don't want it to get to the point to where, like, oh, we have to watch that movie together. Or, like, we have to watch that video. Or, like, mm-hmm. have you heard this band? Like, it's easy just to be, like, oh, I've heard of that band, but never heard them. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. so there's a lot of times when, like, not that it's a good thing or it should happen, but lying out of convenience, just, like, I'm not a super... But to, like, also just avoid, like social that's the thing i'm not a super social person like i have a small group of friends and if you're outside that group of friends i don't necessarily always want to talk to you so i just choose the easiest way to get out of that conversation and sometimes lying out of convenience happens well there's lying for like a product that stems from other people and then there's (laughs) like like a certain brand of lying to yourself of like like oh like these are these are the cool people like I should be into what they're into mm-hmm. and so you tell yourself you're into that stuff and you might hate it but like for a really long time you're like yeah this is me this is what I am yeah like in high school for a little while that was working out which ha <laughs> <laughs> look at me I tattoo sleeve I go hard don't mess with me I'm super strong but. Like, yeah, but, you know, for all I was like, yeah, I like this. Like, this is something I want, and eventually it, I was just like, it's absolutely not something Do you ever find yourself liking something because, like, someone else that you, like, think is cool likes mm-hmm. that thing? Absolutely. So, so that yeah. gets into, like, a gray area of whenever, because I think we were talking about this um, last episode where we talked about, like, beauties in the eye of the beholder. Like, right. whenever you first start dating somebody or talking to somebody, mm-hmm. like, there are things that 
maybe you wouldn't normally like find attractive about somebody or that you wouldn't mm-hmm. normally like about somebody but because it's them and like this newfound meaning that they have to you like your whole perspective on that changes and like I don't think that that's a bad thing mm-hmm. at all but like now it's interesting like that stuff could sustain if you stay in a relationship with that some with that person but like it's also really interesting when you get out of a relationship to see all the things that you suddenly stop doing uh, and liking. Um, like Ann Perkins? Like Drake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, it happens a lot with music. Like, I'll get out yeah. of a relationship and be like, man, why was I super into that band? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't so, know. Sometimes so, it's when you like, when that song reminds you of someone and then it gets around. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In a really basic sense, that's kind of like, self-deception but I don't think it's bad yeah. I like remember I got out of like a two year relationship and I <laughs> there was like, a point where I was like sitting in my like a, like the apartment that him and I had like lived together for like like a really long time and I like sat there and I was like I hate everything <laughs> around me and like I don't know who I am and like I think that's like the really scary thing with like some like you know at least in some relationships that I've seen, even not just, like, myself, but with, like, my friends, it's, like, they, like, I've lost friends because they've, like, gotten lost in their relationship, Mm -hmm. Mm because they've just, like, like, bye, I don't know who, you are that person now. I had a band get Yoko owned by a relationship one time. Jeez. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. What a, that's such a good way to use that. Um, you know, you verbed a noun. You verbed a noun. Verbed a noun. So usually for me, this whole situation of like lying about stuff and like getting lost in it happens because like intellect for me is like one of my like like I pride myself on at least being you know you're dumb as shit. You is educated. Yeah, I I, I smart. <laughs> so like sometimes. I don't want to admit that I don't know a thing, mm. and so I like just start nodding or whatever, or say yeah if someone asks me about like a certain subject, and I kind of like, I've I've gotten good enough to where I can like bullshit my way through most things and then look <laughs> it up later. I made it this far in life. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I did that a lot when I was working like desk jobs and stuff like especially when I first started I, I was just like I honestly I just get like like if I don't know something I get like scared to ask questions yeah me too because yeah. I'm just like oh you're gonna think I'm dumb yeah. when I worked in a Mac store that was me every day <laughs> hey do you know how to fix this oh yes absolutely <laughs> let me ask you BS questions that have nothing to do with that while I Google it on my computer <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know man it's... have you plugged it in yet. What color is the screen? Yes, I am talking about your wallpaper. Oh my god. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. Lying is the worst. Don't do it, kids. That's all we're really trying to say. Don't do drugs and don't lie. Do and don't do lie about doing drugs. Exactly. I did drugs. Like, if you're gonna say you do drugs, you better be doing <laughs> <laughs> If you say you do drugs, you better just be doing straight heroin. Whoa! Go big or go Zero home, to a hundred too fast. What's that song? Uh, <coughs> is, it, is it "Let Me Be Your Hero" and and your and you and you my heroine or Boy, hero, hero heroine? Yeah, hero heroine, right? Wow. It's, 
I feel like a hero. There you go. I, that was my first concert, boys like girls in the Philippines. Nice. My first concert was Nick Lachey and Pink. My first, oh God. my first like real one, I guess. I was in fourth grade. I saw Josh Groban. Nice. I was enamored so with Josh Groban. I Why does that him. not surprise me? I want a girl. I guess technically my first like real real concert was Forever the Sickest Kids, Cobra Starship. Forever the Sickest Cobra Kids. Cobra Starship. Oh, they just broke up recently. And All Time Low. Oh my god, All Time Low is my favorite band for the longest One time. of the guys in Forever the Sickest Kids went to high school at where I did. Which one? Uh, I know all of their names. Jonathan? Jonathan. I think... He's now, a, <laughs> he's now a real estate agent in Burleson. That's weird. Right? I feel like there's some what connection a- to one of the schools that I went to with Forever the Sickest Kids. Because, like, Grapevine High School, yeah. um, I feel like there's... Either that or the kids at your Texas, school were just so. really fucked yeah, up. Yeah, they're from DFW. That's crazy. Yeah. Cool. Whatever. Didn't you go you know to the same high school as um, Kelly Clarkson? Hell yeah. No, I was going to say that my life is Liz. Yeah. Oh, God. That Whatever. Kansas City sick. has Paul Rudd. So, uh, that's a point. Justin Timberlake went to my high Texas school. Texas has Beyonce. Amy yeah. Lee from Evanescence graduated from the same high school I graduated nice. from. So. Yeah, no, for real. Justin Timberlake, he went to my high school. Nice. She woke up that high school. Let me Shut tell you. up. Did she? I, I was homeschooled, and y'all know. Have you heard the Goofy? It's so It's my favorite thing in the world. Like, I was at work one day, and I started what thinking about that, and I was laughing. My favorite thing I've ever seen, maybe, is the someone named their uh, Ekans in Pokemon Go. Ekans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> snake me up. No! I can't snake up. I'm upset. Yeah, man. You haven't seen that? Ekans. No. I don't know. It's Pokemon. I wasn't allowed to watch Pokemon Ekans. growing up because the Asian kids in Japan throw up. There was one episode. It gave them seizures. Oh, yeah. Um, it was like one episode. It never aired in the States, but like. I had, there were, like, it's not even necessarily my parents' fault. There were six kids in my family, and I was one of the younger ones. So for the most part, it was just like, you can watch these things. I heard there's one thing about that, but I don't really have time to look into it very much. So just don't watch it. And I was like, cool. Do all of you have siblings? I have an older brother. I have five sisters. Do you have any siblings? I have an older sister, yeah. Sisters. I'm an only child. Really? Well, I have, like, this, like, Imagine well, not imaginary. This like long lost half brother that I've met like once. This in my imaginary life. brother. He's not <laughs> That's imaginary. So sad. I've just like met him like once, but yeah. he was just like. Mm, meh. Oh. <laughs> but That's even sadder. <laughs> Wait, so none of the guys in here have brothers? No, no. That makes a Isn't lot of sense. Sad? for Brothers some reason. suck. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I, I don't mean that girl. in a bad way. I, no, I, just, I don't mean that in a bad totally way. Because we totally all are. No, it's just like, you guys just like, I mean, Wait. I don't know you, that, I don't know Jonathan that well, but like, you, all of you are like very like soft, which like, if like in your personality, you know what I mean? Like you're just not older like, sister. you're not like total. Dude. We all have okay. older sisters. But I have a younger sister. Okay. <laughs> I was but about to say, that doesn't old. work for me because like I have an older brother and he's like, was so mean. He got me in so much trouble. Well, oh, he, you're a younger okay. sister to him, though. We're saying we have. Do you remember the um, coin collection story that I told you? Yeah. So we were like talking about. Um, there's this Reddit thread, and it's like, what's the um, most like it's always sunny thing that you've ever done? And um, 
or like this was like um a thing that my brother and I did. So shut up. <laughs> no one was talking. What? <laughs> Me and Nick had a moment because I've never seen it. It's always sunny. Oh, okay. Um, That's so sad. So, um, I'm glad I caught that. Dennis and Dee, this was like a moment that my brother and I had. We So, just to help Sam out. Long story short, it's a show about these Boy, people that own a bar and they're the worst people in the they're world. They're literally terrible. And they're the yeah. worst people in yeah. the world. Yeah. Cool. So, um, Relatable. My brother had a, we had a Dennis and Dee moment. And, um... It, so there's this McDonald's that like popped up down the street from our house. We could ride our bikes to it, and we're like, "Oh, let's go get McDonald's." But we didn't have any money. But we knew that our dad had a coin collection somewhere. Oh. So <laughs> we called him and we said, "Can we use a quarter from your coin collection?" And he said, "That's fine." We took all of it. <laughs> it was like six or seven dollars worth of. Like, wow. But, um, so we rode our bikes to McDonald's. We're like, yeah, like, gonna go get, get a McFlurry, get, like, some spicy chicken sandwiches. Mm. And I was just, like, so excited about it, like, on the way home. And I didn't have, like, a basket or anything. And, like, McDonald's has those paper bags. So I was just, like, holding on to it while I was riding my bike home. And then the bag, like, busted. And my food went, like, all over the street, like Karma. my French fries, my McFlurry. I started crying. My brother's like, "Get over it. Let's just like get home." He still had all of his food. <laughs> like, <laughs> so here we are at home. Like our dad's coin collection was like completely empty. Like I don't have any food. I'm crying. And then we're like, we can't get in trouble when they get home because they're gonna know that like we used. Because, like, the coin collection was, like, open on display in the corner of their room. So we just, like, folded up the display and, like, shoved it under their bed. And <laughs> they got home. And my mom's like, did y'all, like, do something with this? And we're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it was, like, my brother's just so mean. Like, he convinced me to do it. Mm-hmm. He always convinced me to do things that I didn't want to do. And then we always got in trouble for it. And he was just like, so one time he told me that, um, he like hid all of my toys from me and said he sent them to other children and I cried. <laughs> See, I just like can't, I like always wonder what my life would have been like if I had siblings. Cause I just like. See, mine's a complete opposite to where like me and my sister <coughs> never like, I can think of one. Y'all are like way further apart than me. Right. Like, I can think of far? one. She. So I'm turning 23 in less than a month, and she is 31. So uh, depending on the time of year, eight or nine years apart. My oldest sister just turned 32. So pretty. Yeah. But there's one between us. My oldest sister is 10 years older as well. But like with, with my sister, I can think of one time when she did something that could have been considered like purposely mean towards me. And, like, I can maybe think of, like, one or two times that I did something purposely mean to her. But, like, other than that, it was all just, like, yeah. peachy. Yeah, maybe I remember, it's... <laughs> I remember when my brother got, like, ACL surgery and he was, like, crying in pain. And I was like, he deserves this. <laughs> <laughs> I was super young. Like, I had to have been 10, which would have made my sister, my younger sister, like, 6. 
And in hindsight, I'm impressed that she knew it was a bad word. I got really mad at one of my other sisters who remained unnamed. And so, like, 10, 11, 12-year-old me, to really, the five of them. to really stick it to her, uh, when I got my notebook that I used for school, I tore out a page, and I wrote, name is a bitch <laughs> on the paper. Oh, no. And I was like, yeah, stick it to her. And then you I was didn't like, tell her about it. No. I got like I was like I gotta hide the evidence, so I tore, I crumpled it up and threw it in the trash. Hello. Hello. What's up, man? Um, <laughs> my little sister then found the the paper that said name is a yeah. bitch on it. Wait, where'd you hide it? I threw it away. Oh. In the trash. Uh-huh. I don't know why she was going through the trash. My younger sister does stuff sometimes, but uh, but she brought it to me. Thank goodness. Before she like told my parents mm-hmm. about it, um, and so over the course of the next like hour, I like we like went to the backyard. I was like, I swear this is a one-time thing. You can't tell anybody about it. Like it'll be like our cool secret. And she was like, I don't know about that. And I was like, I need you to like swear that you're not gonna tell anybody. And I like went. I got my mom's Bible. I had her swear on the Bible. Like I swore in secrecy. And that's like the biggest thing that I can remember. Wow. Like a couple years later, my dad found out we had to talk about it. But I was like, dad, that was years ago. And he was like, I don't believe you. And I was like, no, for real. Look at it in all its glory. (laughs) Yes. It's so perfect. Where did that come from? My, the pain, my dad got it for me for the my birthday. Dad. Shut yeah. up. Oh <laughs> my god. Nice. Can we so, over the mantle? Austin's roommate just walked into the room. Shut Say up. Say hi, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Just kidding. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh no. I'm, no, we're, we're recording. We're recording a podcast. Oh, that's awkward. Hi. <laughs> uh, so when I was, um, I don't know why I just thought of the story, but when I was like maybe three or four years old. Um, we were like at Home Depot or something and I saw this barbecue brush and I just really wanted it, like so bad. And I was like, well, my parents aren't gonna buy me this barbecue brush. What does that even mean? But like we're, you like, like we scrape the, rub the sauce on to yeah. like, okay. Yeah. I, thought, so, I thought you meant like a hairbrush that had like barbecue <laughs> on, like. What? From Home Depot? Anyways. Okay. Oh, I didn't hear Home Depot. Anyways, um, so I like put it in my pants, and I like walked around with it, brought it home, and then I felt so bad, but I was like, I can't tell them, because like, I already stole it, so I buried it in the backyard, <laughs> and then we moved out of that house, and I like never told my parents about it. Uh, ever. Now but I know. think about it all the time. I'm like, that barbecue brush is still back there. You should and I'm like wondering if like whoever lives there now has like tried to do anything and they just found this barbecue brush like <laughs> so, on the ground. But I think about it all the time. In the height of when Yu-Gi-Oh was like cool. Hell yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> when was that? <laughs> 2002. <laughs> oh! Yeah. Honestly, I think that that adds up. Yeah, that's because I was so, in sixth grade. I lived in a cul-de-sac, and the people that lived on the other side of the cul-de-sac, um, there was a kid that was, I want to say, three years younger than me, but we would hang out all the time. 
um, because we lived on the same cul-de-sac. And then his older sister was my age. Um, so, um, McDonald's, for their kids' meals at one point, had Yu-Gi-Oh cards that mm-hmm. they would give away. And they were like special Yu-Gi-Oh cards that you could only get from McDonald's. But there was one card that was holographic and super rare, and you didn't get it in that many of them. And it was, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it was the shield, the shield card, and it was like zero attack, 3,000 defense, whatever. Like, Was it one of the Exodia cards? <laughs> it was not an Exodia card. Um, but his older sister got it, and um, she had a safe in her room to where she kept her like prized belongings or whatever. <laughs> And her little brother knew how to get in that safe. Mm-hmm. So her little brother was like, yo, my sister got this car. And I was like, let's steal it. <laughs> <laughs> so she, he got into the safe, and then I, I convinced... I like that she put it in a safe. <laughs> yeah, because she didn't even play Yu-Gi-Oh! She just loved <laughs> that she had the car. Um, so I convinced them, since I was three years older than them, that if we stole it, I would get to keep it, naturally. Um, so... I stole the card and came back to my house and I felt really bad. I was like, I'm going to get caught. Like, I can't have this card. This is evidence. So I literally, like, ripped it up and threw it in the trash can. So, like, it wasn't even... I I literally destroyed her card. Like, it didn't even benefit me at all. And, um... So then... I don't know how much time passed. It seems like it was only a few minutes. I don't know if that's really what happened. But their dad shows up on the doorstep and rings the doorbell and is very angry-looking. And it's like, did you steal my daughter's Yu-Gi-Oh card? And I was like, no, sir, I did not steal your daughter's Yu-Gi-Oh card. And he's like, Mason, who was the the yeah. kid that I was friends with, was like, well, Mason told me that you went into a room and stole her Yu-Gi-Oh card. It's like, I did not. You can check my Yu-Gi-Oh card collection. It's not in there. <laughs> and like had this big conversation and like he couldn't get it out of me and I I like to think that that's where the start of my lying problem came from (laughs) was that because not even a week later I was in school and it was in elementary school so like we would go like one day a week we'd go to art class and one day a week we'd go to music class or whatever and we were in art class and all the seats that we sat on were stools like they didn't have backs to them and I did the dumb trick where when someone's trying to sit down you pull you pull a stool up and this girl she's like a very small petite girl even for like our age at that time just makes a noise hitting the ground and she just went the plot down on it and it got pulled out um so at first I do that whole thing where I'm like ooh and they just thought the stool slipped out from under her, and I never told anyone that uh, I pulled it out. And so, like, those two events uh, happening the same week is where my lying problem started. I really, like, like, love thinking about kid logic. Oh, yeah. Like, you were saying, you were saying, like, you still think about the brush. Okay, there's this, like, other thing that happened it, that, I might have told you this story, but this girl who used to live down the street from me, she had, like, all this stuff for her Barbies, and she had, like, this little soap for it, and I was like, I want that soap. And, like, we used to just walk into each other's houses all the time. So, um, literally, I was, like, taking a bath, got out of the bathtub, walked out of my house. Like, down, naked? Yes. Down, <laughs> down the street, 
Um, like, her garage door was, like, open, so I just walked in through the garage door. Her dad was, like, sleeping on the couch. <laughs> I walked into her room, and I, like, opened her Barbie house to take the little soap out, and the Barbie house falls to the ground. So I was, like, I'll hide under the bed. So I hid under her bed, and her dad comes in there. He's, like, looking up. You're <laughs> so uncomfortable, Joe. <laughs> I'm just afraid of one day being a dad and if something crashes in my daughter's room, is there a naked little girl hiding under the bed? Because, like, either, like... That's like when you're like, should I kill this thing? thing? Is it, like, a demon? Oh, God. A demon. So what? Dad logic. He left, went, like, sat back down. He's like, I guess it just fell. And then I just, like, walked out of her house, like, back to my house. My mom's, like, standing in the doorway. She's like, what are you doing? And but I was like... Wait, how old were you? I was... I don't remember how old it was, but I was so little. But, um... I... But I was like, I got the soap. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, like, with all my Barbie stuff, they're, like, boxed up somewhere. Like, I'm pretty sure it's still in there. <laughs> oh, you need to be buried with that soap. <laughs> I do not understand, like, what, as kids, why we thought things were like. Yeah, because, like, right. as a kid, you're like, this is a very smart idea. I'm a yeah. genius. And then you look back and you're like, that was literally the stupidest thing I could have done in that situation. So, this is like a, a this has been a tangent, so I'm going to get us on the right course here. But first, uh, like, the act that I committed as a kid that I still look <clears throat> up to this day, and I still feel like shit for is I don't know how old I was. I was young. Um, my best friend Charlie had a birthday party, um, of which something happened. I was the only person able to attend. So like me, Charlie, his mom, we went to Chuck E. Cheese's. Perfect. Then on the way back, we got uh, like McDonald's, and the Happy Meal toy was like the Napster cat or whatever and it like oh, would yeah. do like this <clears throat> and we both ended up getting the exact same toy except mine <laughs> didn't work oh, and no. so like as a, like his mom is dropping me off at my house like I just like when he wasn't looking switched her toys <laughs> on his birthday oh, and gave him oh. the broken one and took the one that worked and I still feel like crap for it. Oh. There's also the other time, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was like lightsaber fighting with my friend Preston, or Harrison, yeah, huh? Harrison, and you know, he cut off all my arms and legs, <clears throat> my last resort was to throw the lightsaber at him, in the air it flipped around the button in the mouth, and it shattered one of his front teeth. <laughs> So, like, he has a fake tooth to this day <laughs> because of me. So, it was like an adult tooth. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, I still feel pretty bad about that some days, but, like, I wanted to win. You gotta win the lightsaber. <laughs> Wait, if you didn't have any arms or legs, how'd you throw the lightsaber? Well, like, I imagined the force of my arm there falling off and yeah. launched the lightsaber forward. Or, I mean, you can force move stuff, so you could have just forced them. There you go. Nick, what's your topic? <laughs> Alright, so I just feel like this is a relevant topic because I've had lots of situations where I've either wanted to do this or had lots of friends that have complained about this. 
And so this is one of those issues that there's a happy medium, but I don't think it's very easy to pinpoint where this happy medium is. So let's say you have a friend um, who is a good friend and a good person, and you know, like you want the best for this friend. But this friend um, is making a stupid decision by dating someone that has no business being with them. Either this person is a bad person or just like not compatible or just a bad situation. So where is it as a friend where you can come in and be like, you're allowed to do this or you're not allowed to do this? Like where is it? Or even vice versa, I've had friends complain like, I'm trying to do this, but all my friends are getting mad at me for it or saying that it's a bad idea. So, like, where is that happy resting point? I'm, like, in this situation right now with one of my friends because one of my friends likes this dude, and I'm like, he is bad news. He is horrible, horrible news, but she is, like, so enamored with him, like, thinks he is, like, the coolest dude since sliced bread, like... Sliced bread is cool. Damn! <laughs> Is, and I just, like, but I feel guilty because I don't want to be like, hey, like, this is not, you're not, this is a bad idea. And I, like, I want to, like, warn her, kind of, but, like, also part of me, it's like, that's your own decision to make almost, you know? It's like, you don't want to interfere, and, like, with fears, because, like, in my experience, if you, like, tell someone, like, don't do this, like, they're going to want to do it more, just, yeah. like, by the laws of, like, Psychology. And like, there's been times when, in like hindsight, fifty-fifty, it was a smart. Like, I off and on for six years five years whatever and like 
each time we would start talking, because like we would break up, not talk at all for like two, three, four, five, six months, mm -hmm. and then get back together, and we did that like four or five times. Um, and like I had friends that would tell me like, this probably isn't a good idea. And at a certain point, it just got to where like people were just like, yeah, you're just gonna do whatever. I mean, in my opinion, you just like have to experience that yourself. Like my yeah. best friend, like pretty much every single relationship that I've ever been in, she's like, dude, this guy is trash. Like he was born out of a garbage can, and you're still like completely. <laughs> like enamored by him like you're dumb but like and I was just like no like he's really he's like a really great guy and he like ends up actually being born out of a garbage can and it's like but I but like I am grateful for those like crappy experiences because <laughs> now I know what I want out of a relationship it's like yeah. even and but it's like you know outside looking in they're just like no, I, like, love you, please don't do this to yourself, but, like, at the end, you're, like, but I have to hurt in order to, like, grow forward, yeah. Right. I think, like, if, to, like, literally answer Nick's question, like, I think the point at which you probably intervene is if they are, like, in danger. Right. Like, physically, yeah. like, if this person is, like, literally not well, a good I don't person. Well, it has to be physically I mean like I've seen emotional, emotional. abuse yeah, that's true that's, that's true. like but then you know it's it's so hard because like I've you know like my best friend she's in a really messed up emotionally abusive relationship and like there's nothing that like she has to go through that and she will she'll get through it you know and that's I think that's the thing it's like but if it's like physical danger then it's like okay like I'm gonna call the police <laughs> yeah but um I think I just like, I don't know. It always sucks seeing someone you love go through like hurt <clears throat> and pain. Well, it but also sucks potentially having to reach the point of like, they're going to hate me for this, but it's something I have to do. Yeah. Like there are situations where it would be like, okay, I'm going to call the cops and right. that person might never forgive you for that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to like, I lost my train of thought. I don't know, I think you just have to, like, they may hate you, but I think there's going to be one day where they're, like, healed, like, where you've, like, healed from it, and you can, like, confront them, like, hey, like, this was really crappy, but, like, also, like, thank you for, like, like, I think that's what is, like, a good friend. It's, like, hey, I know this is bad for you, and I see that you're hurting, but even though I told you this is bad for you, I'm still going to walk you through this hurt. Like, I'm still going to be there for you as a friend, even though, like... I don't support your decision. <laughs> Thanks for the depressing-ass question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the They're the best one? kinds. Are there any other kinds? But, it, like, also there's, like, the flip side. So I have one of my very best friends. Um, dated this girl for a few years. Um, and then it just, like, reached a point where they thought long term the relationship wasn't going to work so they broke up and uh, he kind of chose probably not the best ways to cope with the breakup um, and then they ended up getting back together and me as and the things that he did 
in between them breaking up and getting back together kind of came and blew up in his face and caused issues when they got back together. Um, so a lot, like, it got to the point to where he lost people that were once his friends and she lost people that were once her friends. And, like... Because they got back together? Because they got back together and it was this huge ordeal. But, like, me as his close friend at the same time was, like, no, they need to, like, they belong together. It was, like, a shitty situation that happened. So I was really, like, only one of maybe two or three people that were supportive of them. And everybody else was just, like, why are you doing this? Like, literally <clears throat> telling them, like, you are stupid. Like, you are making a terrible decision. And, like, again, people, people still don't talk to him or her because of this. And, like, they are together and one of the most happy, like, healthy couples now. And it's, like, super cool. But then it's, like... So it can go both ways to where, like, even if you think something's super volatile, like, it could still be good, and even though you think something could be good, it could be really unhealthy. So it's just a weird, like... I think it really just comes down to, like, the quality of friends that you have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, or, like, it could be those friends that did decide to, like, kind of exile that couple just because of their um, relationship decisions, like... Maybe in their mind, like, that was a toxic situation to be a part of, so they, like, just didn't want any part of that. Because, like, I've gotten rid of friends that, like, I love dearly, but I, like, recognize them as toxic, so I just, like, have to push them away. Um, right. Or, like, at least keep them at, like, arm's length, if nothing else. Um, but, like, if you have friends that, like, do, you know, like, like you said, like, through all of that crap, you were still there, like, that makes you a true friend. And I think that just, like, comes down to the characteristic of the person. And, like, it was easy for me to be there because, like, both of them are good friends of mine. And, like, it wasn't like I was like, you guys shouldn't be together, but I'm going to stick with you. It was like, I think you guys should be together, so it's really easy to stick with you. Right. Like, yeah. I think it's, like, really hard to, like, find, especially just, like, in our, like, age bracket, like, when we're, like, weaving in and out of, like, friends, like, trying to figure out, like, our space in life. Um... I think those experiences are important because, like, otherwise, like, how are we going to, like, grow into finding who, like, our true friends are, you know? Which I find, like, I personally find really hard because, you know, I'm, like, in Kansas City and, like, you know, a living in Kansas City and I feel like this is, like, where I belong, you know? But it's, like, not to, like, discount, like, my friends there. Like, I do have really great friends there, but it's, like, you know, I feel like some of them aren't, like, super lifetime friends. Right. This cat is my lifetime friend, though. That's not that, no. That's like that's like you've lost if you say that. That's not. Well, that's like the beginning of the end. Okay. Like your life. This cat is my lifetime. Well, I was more so just like engaging and with this cat. And this one as well. I was more so engaging <laughs> with this cat because Aaron is making weird freaking noises. That's how you get cats' attentions. Well, attentions. All of the, all of all of all their of the attentions. cat's attentions. Yes. Hey cat, I only feel like I have like one of your attentions right now. <laughs> I need all five of them. <laughs> You know, I thought I had all of that cat's attention, but of hindsight's 50-50. Like, I don't think I did. Hindsight's I, like, so honestly, when I said that, I didn't think anything of it. When you guys started laughing, I was like, why are they laughing? And I was like, oh, I totally butchered that. Like, oh, man. Beautiful. <laughs> you got a topic? Yeah. Um, Speak. Okay. So I found this podcast recently called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which is awesome, 
and anybody listening right now, you should look it up. Gotta look that up. It's it's, it's awesome. So what they do is they they've just finished book one and started book two, but they read it chapter by chapter, and each chapter they analyze within a certain theme. So they do like friendship, love. Um, uh, they did one on white privilege. Um, but it's like a whole bunch of different stuff that they talk about. And uh, at the end of each episode, they do like a spiritual reading practice. So the, the reason why they started doing this is because uh, they're divinity students at Harvard. Okay. And one of their professors started uh, a class where they were reading secular texts as if they were spiritual texts. Okay. Um, so the same way that you would analyze and dig deeper into like the Bible or the Quran or uh, the Torah or whatever, um, they would analyze like a book like uh, Jane Eyre or in this case Harry Potter. Um, and so at the end of each episode, they do a different like um, <clears throat> discipline. So one of them is uh, like Lectio Divina. The other one is like some kind of uh, Jewish practice where they like critically analyze it. Whatever. It's a really cool thing. But one of the episodes they were talking about when Hagrid uh, takes Harry in the first years on the you know boat ride or whatever they do into uh, Hogwarts, and there's this point right before they like go through these trees or whatever and they finally see Hogwarts like the castle itself mm-hmm. um, and how he tells them to like duck their heads because there's like branches in the way or whatever but how the act of like them physically ducking their heads was like bowing in reverence right before they look up and see Hogwarts for the first time mm-hmm. so something that's always been curiosity of mine is how we physically inhabit the world and how our bodies help us to like interact with the world in a spiritual way I guess so like us physically bowing our heads gives our like whatever you want to call it like soul or like our emotional state it like changes it our astronomical self yeah kind of like that um so, I don't know, it's less of a question, more of, like, a curiosity of how each of you have experienced, like, something in your life where, like, even if it's as simple as just, like, bowing your head or whatever at church or whatever you do, like, I don't know. Like, connecting physical to spiritual kind yeah. of? Yeah. Um, I feel like I have lots of stories where I think like that something spiritual had a play in it but now that I'm trying to think of a specific one like it's not immediately coming so hopefully I think that physical gestures or postures um, that we might have or not have with each other in can mean something like in a spiritual situation so like um, like when you think about um, 
like the way that you carry yourself literally um, can inform your mood and attitude. Mm -hmm. um, so keeping a low hunched posture, like with your arms crossed, like will keep you more closed off. And whether that's you're feeling closed off, so you have that uh, action sort of as a reaction to mm -hmm. how you're feeling, um, or by doing so, you're kind of putting yourself in that place. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I think the same goes for, like, um, like bowing your head in reverence when you pray in church. Um, or, like, more specifically, like, the opposite of, like, being hunched over and, like, arms crossed, like, whenever, um, like, people uh, sing worship in church mm -hmm. and, like, they raise their hands. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not... Um, like you could analyze that and say like oh well it's like they're they're reaching up to to God but like that is a very like um, open and abandoned gesture mm -hmm. to make um, that's not something that I've ever done with people mm -hmm. you know um, and so uh, like I think that that can sometimes inform your mood by. Mm -hmm the way that you physically carry yourself yeah. yeah I like find myself like really having a weird disconnect with like how I feel like my body is like occupying space and how it like actually is like I don't know if this is going to make any sense but sometimes I feel like I'm taking up like way more space than I actually am um, and that like gives me like such anxiety because like there are times where I feel like everybody in the room is like noticing like how I'm like moving just because like naturally like I'm a very like anxious person and like people sense that in just like the way that I like just the way my body is and like fidgeting whatever um and so like that gives me like a lot of anxiety sometimes because I'm like oh my gosh I like look anxious and like that has been like pointed out to me so many times and so I like really have to like try and focus on like the way that my body is taking up space because like I don't want people to know that I'm anxious like that's people knowing that I'm anxious gives me more anxiety. <laughs> um, it's like compounding on itself. Right. But like in terms of like in a spiritual sense, like I don't consider myself like a religious person, but I definitely consider myself like a spiritual person. And so like if I'm doing any sort of like, like I find a lot of my peace like spiritually occurring like in nature. Um, <clears throat> and like whenever I was like really into yoga or whatever, like I would go to like yoga classes and they would like, you know, teach you different things like that like could connect you to the earth or whatever like hippie stuff you want to like call it um and I think it's like really important um just to kind of know that you can like kind of just like in the same way like you can use your body to completely like mold the way that you're feeling um but there are also times where like my body feels really crappy but like I'm in a really good mood <laughs> and it's like <laughs> like when you're hungover well, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say. Well, that I'm not in a good mood. I was about to say, like, I'm in, usually when I'm hungover, I'm in like probably one of the worst mental spaces because I'm just like, why did I do what I did like like last so night? Just, it's literally the physical <laughs> manifestation of regret. <laughs> oh my god, that is so true. That's that is quite profound. Um, I don't know. I like am really interested in the idea of using your body as like a way to change. Like, or, I don't know, like, you use, 
like affect the way that you feel yeah and even in like a spiritual sense yeah too because like i like the idea of meditating and all that stuff and like staying really still or whatever um but i could never like bring my head like my mind to the point of like meeting where my body's at it's like my mind's always going a million miles an hour even if my body is still and it's like well if my body's still why can't my mind be still yeah and like that's like a constant frustration of mine I want to live where soul meets body. Nice. Dank reference, bro. Dank reference. <laughs> I don't know if that, like, even, like, was in the vein of your question. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the story of this podcast is whatever the question you think is to go. That's <laughs> we where start, it goes. We were talking about uh, lies. And then and we started talking about we, siblings. Yeah. Well, no. More specifically, we went from lies to naked children hiding under their best friend's bed down the street while their dad looks at the fallen over dollhouse like yeah. it gets places this so podcast gets places another kind of um, <laughs> along along the same lines as the whole hacker thing actually this has nothing to do with hacker but like the concept of pillow top too like the physical way that you interact with someone like laying next to them and just talking to them like that where you're both just like laying down in a very vulnerable state mm-hmm. influences the the tone and the content of the conversation that you have and like the intimate details that you share you know I would say with people that I've had pillow talk with yeah. a lot of our more not necessarily like deep conversations but just like you said like vulnerable yeah. like just open up like no walls this is what's going mm-hmm. on have happened then so like yeah I feel like I'm a big person with thinking one like physical 100% influences mental like um, so like they've done studies where if you're take like People that don't have that much self-confidence about themselves when they're sitting in a chair, they usually try to take up, like, as little space as possible to where people that, like, tend to have a bigger ego or have more self-confidence, like, tend to have, like, the man spread, if you will, or whatever. But, um, But I think it's totally true that, like, the situation you find your body in, and, like, that could be literally the position that you are sitting, standing, lying in. Or, like, how close you are in proximity with the other people around you. Mm -hmm. Kind of how their body is, like, that physical energy definitely feeds into what mentally is going on or, like, what actions are being taken place. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have the issue, like, if you're with someone, like, intimately, like, where you mentally, like, want to be with them in, like, a physical sense, but, like, you, like physically can't make yourself do so have you ever had that uh i don't know if that makes explain more like i don't i mean are we talking about sexual relations or just like proximity wise i mean i guess both really because like i don't know sometimes i find myself like in like it's like i i don't know how to explain it i guess more so like in sexual situations really where it's like I feel, like, really, like, intimate with, like, this person, but, like, I just, like, am not in, like, a place to, like, do anything. 
display that kind of physical yeah. vulnerability or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's I, I like, think that's a, probably a pretty common thing. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I just like feel super guilty, like because it's like, or even with like really just like even friend hugs, it's like oh like I care about you, but like right now I don't wanna, I don't like wanna hug you, you know. And sometimes I feel bad about that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I. It's a thing because I feel like once you get to the point to where it's past like oh, I'm attracted to you, or, like, you're really cute, or any of that stuff, like, when it becomes, like, a real feeling of emotion, it's more than just, like, this is all physical, and this is fun and stuff, and it's, like, I care about you as a person, and care about, like, what you have to say, and what you feel, and stuff, and that, right now, is more important than right. us getting naked and doing it. <laughs> right. <together. laughs> right. But I think you brought up the thing about nature. Um, and one thing that I kind of, I'm, I'm not, how you, like you said, I'm not religious, but I do consider myself spiritual or whatever, even though it's becoming a big joke in downtown <laughs> Brian, just people to, in random conversations to say I'm an atheist. Um, <laughs> when it has, like, there's no context. Again, one of those jo- jokes Josh starts kind of equate this as like my journey to Mecca um, kind of like what is in the religion of Islam but Niagara Falls every time I've been there and I've been there now I want to say yeah I've been there three times in my life now um, all in the past three years actually yeah. I've been once a year for the past three years and um Every time I go there, it's just, like, a very uplifting, spiritual kind of self-realization, realizing where I am in life, in the world, like, evaluating things. And so, like, and I think it's just because, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Niagara Falls before, but just, like, seeing that, like, you feel powerless. Like, you see the speed the water is moving the size of these waterfalls yeah. and like what they have kind of shaped around them right. like it just makes you feel like I'm a very insignificant dot in the sphere that's yeah. like if I put a foot in this water I'm done like there's nothing I can do to survive this yeah. except by like some miracle but it's just like such a it's that's scary but at the same time it's like this is Humbling. cool like this is earth I live in and yeah. like this is like, like two of my favorite things to do are either like look at stars like go somewhere super dark and like look, the, look at the stars or like go to the mountains uh, which I've only been in the mountains twice but each time it's been like a very similar thing but my like my train of thought in that is like I like if I'm like looking at stars or whatever I like look at it I'm like oh wow I'm like the way that I'm looking at it, it's like so tiny or whatever but like really it's so big and like it really like makes me me and my problems feel smaller so like I like to just kind of sometimes separate myself from like the life I'm living whatever and just go like put myself in the middle of something bigger than myself that so it'll like make my problems like feel smaller and easier to handle and like sometimes it works sometimes it super does not (laughs) it's like well 
right now, like, I'm in a really crappy part of my life, but at least I, you know, got to look at the stars, whatever. <laughs> and that kind of goes back to the whole idea of, like, reverence. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of important, regardless of whether or not someone's, like, religious or whatever. I, like, honestly can say, that, I don't know if this might be stupid, but I don't know if I know what that word means. Reverence? Yeah. It's, like, bowing your head and... Or Almost like a sign of respect. It's respect yes. in a religious connotation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like real, like you said, like realizing that there are things that are bigger than yourself. Right. Specifically, like this one thing. Yeah. And that you appreciate and acknowledge its greater meaning. I guess. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I never thought of like, you know respecting something like bigger than myself I've more just thought about it like appreciating it mm-hmm. which like I don't know if, in my mind those are two very different things mm-hmm. like appreciating something and respecting something but yeah, yeah. Huh. nature is cool yeah it's pretty dope trees are fine I like trees I like Texas because there's like cacti everywhere not in this part. Well, no, but like some, there's more cacti here than there is in Missouri, I'll tell you that. You're not wrong. I did used to live <laughs> in Missouri, and I don't think I ever saw cacti there. Nope. You have to go to a plant store to find that shit. Not just the scrupulants? The scrupulants. <coughs> yep. Scrupulants. What's your topic? What's my topic? Yeah. My topic is a topic. I'm starting to hate that word just because we've said it so much. Topic? Yeah. Well, you got wrong with topic, dude. No, it's just like when you say a word over and over again and it sounds weird. Um. So. Like. I, as well, like to think of myself as an. Not even necessarily an intellectual person but a, like, like, I try to think about things critically, always, Um, and, like, that's some of my, like, favorite classes that I've taken, or times whenever I have the opportunity to, to do that, um, engineering classes? No, 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 (laughs) um, but, like, because of that, like, I'm a big believer in the like the entertainment industry as something more than just entertainment um, as it being more different uh, forms and mediums to share collections of thoughts and experiences um, which is the like biggest reason why I want to work in video games because I think that um, like there's there's always this like suspension of disbelief because like the game that you're not playing is real mm-hmm. and so to some degree it's not necessarily worthwhile um, but like what you're playing is still an experience to some degree um, but the same could be said about listening to an album or um, reading, a book. reading a book watching a movie uh, if it's a TV show that you watch um, and so I was curious, like, in recent memory, um, maybe, like, in the past year, um, like, what are some 
pieces, whether it be a book or a movie or a game or something that, like, kind of affected you in a profound way that you maybe didn't see coming where you found yourself, um, like, thinking about it for a long time after, um, like, you experienced that, or maybe it changed the way that you think about um, something um, or challenged the way that you think about something. So, as I'm pretty sure everyone in this room knows, and everyone listening to this podcast may or may not know. No, I'm actually not going with Overwatch. But, um, uh, I I have, like, a lot of personal issues where I struggle with, like, anxiety, depression, and OCD and stuff. Um, And one game that kind of I would play to kind of distract myself from, and literally I would get lost in it, and just kind of forget about any problems that I had going on in my life um, was Sid Meier's Civilization V. Like, I could just start playing that game. And, like, so literally the premise of this game is you build an empire from the ground up. It's it's like Age of Empires, but instead of time-based, it's turn-based. And, like, so you, you control the economy, you control the culture, you control the religion, you control the military, all that stuff of the civilization. And, like, you start in the ancient times when you're just learning how to farm and can play as long as, like, futuristic to where, like, robots are fighting. Um, And that was just a game that I could sit there and just get lost in. And, like, when I was playing it, my life seemed completely fine. And, like, I would forget about the stuff. And then, like, because I would just focus myself on, like, I got to build this empire up and I've got to run these five cities that are under my control and all this stuff and so I think that was like a game that almost like therapeutically helped me through a lot of dark times just because I could completely invest myself into something it wasn't real but I felt like I was contributing to and Mm -hmm. all that stuff and so like when people ask like what my favorite video game is like I usually lead with that not necessarily because I think it's the best video game I've played, but just because it's had such like a big personal impact on my life in the past two years. Mm-hmm. The two biggest for me are both games. Both of them I kind of figured out recently. One of them, uh, like December, right before like my family went, like uh, before I went home for like Christmas break. Um, I bought, like, the new Assassin's Creed game, and, like, I had, like, bought it, gone to a party that night, came back super drunk, played, like, a couple minutes with my roommates, didn't go very well, um, (laughs) and then, like, turned it off, and then after Christmas break, um, what I perceived to be, like, my life as I knew it kind of fell apart, um, and kind of similarly like I started to like like I found out that I really did struggle with like chronic depression and that was a really serious deal um and like Assassin's Creed is a really simple game where it's like a age old battle between like the assassins who are good guys and the Templars who are bad guys but um like the particular game like is like set in like 1876 like London Um, and like as you you know 
complete these missions and take out like these like enemy hideouts or whatever um, like the sections of the map like turn from red to like white um, like showing sort of the territory that you've covered or liberated so to speak um, and like recently because I was bored and also because I'm poor and I can't afford to buy any video games now went back to that game um, and started playing it again and it like dawned on me how even though like it's not the best game ever and it wasn't like the story or the characters that really kind of helped me through that time like at a time whenever I didn't feel like I was able to like it was possible for me to move forward in any way like that was a medium in which I could so to speak like in literal terms like it's not real and it's technically worthless like I have gained nothing from doing that um, but like it gave me that sense of like moving on even whenever I wasn't necessarily yeah. um, and then the other one is a game that I think everybody in the world should play called Undertale um, and it's a really <coughs> Undertale Halo? Undertale. Oh. Undertale. Anyways. Halo? Oh my god. Um, it's like a... <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no one said it. Austin just woke up. <laughs> um, it's a really simple game. Uh, it was made by one guy over the course of three years. He made it by himself. So it's an indie um, game. It is an indie game. This is the one you told me to play. Gotcha. And the premise of the game is that like hundreds of years ago it's like a really simple like crappy like think of like the very first legend of zelda game that's about um, eight bit. like it's 8-bit um, that's cool and it has one of the most like fantastic scores and soundtracks of a game that i've ever played which he composed all by himself eight -bit. all the instrument uh, some of it is 8-bit some of it is like 16 uh or no like some of it is like actual like piano guitar strings um 48 whatever anyways <clears throat> like the premise of the game is that like hundreds of years ago like humans and monsters both lived on the surface of the earth and the humans beat back the monsters and locked them away underground where they could never escape um and so you play as this like oh hercules you <laughs> you play as this like human child who like climbs a mountain and falls down this hole in the mountain into like the underground world where all the monsters live and they're hercules. trapped and the only way um, <clears throat> that the monsters can like get out of the world or the underground world like into the real world is um, like they have to have six human souls and like there have been five other humans who have fallen down there and they have those five souls um, and so yours would be the six um, <clears throat> but like the first monster the first thing that you encounter is this flower um, and like it's super like happy super cute and like tells you you know like you must be lost it'll help you figure out how everything works and um like notices that you're hurt from the fall and tells you that like it can give you these like white pellets that'll heal you and so like it sends them out to you and if you like walk into it then like it'll take like half of the health that you have away and his facial expression changes and like he tells you like in in this world like it's kill or be killed um and then he tries to kill you and another monster um, like saves you and is like really kind to you 
Um, and throughout the entire game, the way that the like fighting system is worked up, uh, it's turn-based. And on your turn, you can either fight people, you can try to run away, or you can talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like an example of that, there's this one like monster that's a dog that you have to fight. And the way that you can get away from it peacefully is by petting it. And then it will like let you go because you pet it. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> but you could also choose to kill everything. Um, and as a result, like the way that uh, characters will interact with you like change based on the things that you've done. Um, and there's a bunch of different endings to the game, but it all sort of culminates. Uh, like the first time that I played through it, uh, like I was forced into a fight with someone, and every time I would try to like spare them or talk to them, I would get the same text response. And so, like in my head, I thought, oh, like, well, I guess I have to fight and kill this person. Okay. Um, so I did, and I felt like crap about it. Um, and then at the end of the game, one of the characters like sort of brings up a tally of everything you've done and all the situations that you've handled and the fights and the people who you've killed um, and the fallout from that, how that's affected the other characters in the game. Um, and then basically like asks you if you think you could have done anything differently. Like, did you really have I to like do that. the things that you I did? Like that. Um, and like that prompted me to go look up a guide where sure enough, if you just keep trying, like, eventually, like, they'll end the fight. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to kill them. Um, but, like, it's a really sort of incredible look on, like, video game violence and, like, what people think about video games and RPGs, um, sort of those conventions, turning them up on their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a playthrough that you can do in the game, um, that's called a uh, genocide playthrough where like you get that ending by literally killing everything that you encounter um, and it's like once you've played through it like trying to spare everybody um, like watching all these characters who are like super endearing and normally like really funny charming um, like you're just becoming sort of this horrific monster um, and Sure enough, like, at the end, the game totally calls you out for, um, like, it's basically asking you, like, why you're doing all of this, like, if you're really that evil, or if you're doing it just because you wanted to see what would happen, or because you thought you could, um, and, like, what that says about you, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's super, super incredible game, um, I would, like, 100% recommend it, I think it's probably like one of the best narratives that's ever been written and it was PC made by one console. guy himself it's on PC um, but a potato could run it because it's a really simple yeah, game yeah. Um, like one of the fights in the game they get really clever like one of them the character uh, like you try to spare like this boss at the end of the game um, and he finally like lets you spare him uh but then, like, even if you spare him, the flower will come back uh, and, like, kill him and, like, steal the souls that he did have. And then, like, it'll basically say, like, everything you worked up to this point was pointless um, because you didn't kill the flower. And then it closes your game. And whenever you try to open the game, uh, like, you're just stuck in this fight with the flower and you can't get out of it. Um, 
Or like if you've done, if you've played the game and killed everything, no matter what, uh, like you can delete your saves, but the game always keeps the information that that's happened. Mm -hmm. And the characters in the game will always like have this weird sort of um, like repulsion to you or feel like creeped out around you. Because like, you've already killed them or something. Because you've already killed them. That's um, crazy. That's yeah. my kind. Because, like, the two... That's a good developer. Like... Yeah. Oh, man. And, like, the game even acknowledges the fact that, like, maybe you'll try to fight somebody and they'll kill you, you'll die, and you'll have to try again. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, some... There are a couple instances in the game where you can tell someone, like, you've killed me before. And, like, they'll acknowledge it. Um, what? It's, uh... It's really... Like, it's... It's about as meta as it gets, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's one of the wow. most, um, like, incredible, I don't know. Like, it's had me, I finished playing it the first time, like, back in May, um, and, like, recently I've just been watching YouTube videos on all the different endings. Um, like, if you, there's this guy who's, like, the sweetest, nicest character, um, but, like, if you, uh, end up killing his brother, which is really easy to do by accident, um, like, he won't show up until the very end of the game, where he basically tells you that, uh, like, he thought that you guys could be friends, but really, you should just be burning in hell, um, and, like, not to come back, and the way that the game uses, like, its sound design and its character design to, um, like, there are times where it's, like, genuinely, like, kind of creepy and terrifying, um, but there's also times where it's extremely cute. Um, like, one of my favorite moments is, like, there's this part where you're walking into a new town, and if you read the, like, sign that's at the entrance, it says, like, warning, dog marriage. And, like, I read the sign, and then I closed out of it, and I walked away, and then I thought about it for a second, and I went back and read the sign again, and it had changed, and now it said, yes, you did read that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of, like, gives you sort of an idea for like the game's sense of humor uh -huh. um, I don't know it's very very good and it's been really thought provoking yeah. uh -huh. but like um, I was talking to Ryan um, and he was basically saying that like he hasn't really been able to sleep since like the fallout of the recent presidential yeah. elections which was not a topic on the podcast for a reason yeah but, no, but we we all <laughs> we kind of talked about it before you us for yeah. yeah had conversation got it all out like it um but like yeah like he was pretty distraught and like the first thing I recommended I was like hey this game is 10 bucks and like yeah. it, has he played it it's a he said he was gonna try to start playing it today yeah um and I'm super excited because then I'll have somebody to talk to about yeah. it yeah but like I never like thought of games as being something like that can kind of help you through th I don't know like obviously like it's I don't discount it, just like me personally, I was never like, oh, I'm gonna use like, games as like a, mm -hmm. a way to like, you know, kind of cope with things, because like, I definitely cope with things, like, the, my, the art I use is like way different. No. Music or poetry? Or well, I mean like, like back to your original question, like what, it was like, what kind of, what art has like changed mm -hmm. the way we think about things? Or just affected you. Right. Um, well, I have, like, two different situations where, like, the first time, because I, like, had just started, like, performing poetry, like, a year ago, and, like, before <coughs> that, I was super into it, and, like, I've always written or whatever, 
But then, like, my favorite poet is, like, Andrea Gibson, which she's amazing and everybody loves her. But I, like, went to go see her live because she had a show in Kansas City. And I was, like, front row. And I, like, had heard this poem before, like, on YouTube or whatever. But then it, like, always hit me. But just, like, seeing her do it in person and, like, seeing her, like, physical, like, reaction to it. And I just, like, remember her, like, staring at the audience. And, like, everybody was just, like, sobbing. And, like, at that point in my life, I was, like, going through some, like, really intense stuff. And, like, basically the poem is just about, like, hey, like, I know shit's really hard, and I know that you feel like you're, you know, losing yourself and losing everything, and I know, and, like, it's, like, suicide-based, really. And, like, the end of the poem is just, like, stay, like, here with us, you know, like, don't. And, like, at that point, like, I was probably the most suicidal I've probably ever been. And, like, just hearing that poem, I was like, this is super cool that someone else feels like this, mm -hmm. and that, like, I'm not the only person that's like that's feeling crazy and feels like that like a better option is just to like go away um and so like that was like really but at that point I like didn't understand the concept of like healing um which like brings me into like my second example of uh, there's this book called Milk and Honey by Rupi Carr uh and she like her story like her poems are super short they're all very just like one like pretty much one line whatever some of them are longer, but she's broken her book up into, like, like, the breaking, like, basically just, like, the parts of, like, relationships and, like, like, abuse and all that stuff, and I remember, like, reading these, like, it was, like, the loving, the hurting, the breaking, or, like, the loving, the breaking, the hurting, and the healing, um, and I remember, like, reading through, like, The Loving and being, like, oh my gosh, like, I can't wait to be in love again or whatever. And then, like, the breaking and being, like, oh my gosh, I felt all this too. And then, like, the hurting and, like, what all was that? And then I got to the healing part and I was just, like, I've never allowed myself to fully heal from, like, the things I've experienced. Like, and that was, like, so I, like, see a therapist or whatever and she was, like, you have to let yourself like grieve these experiences um and it was really like that book where I was just like he like healing is a full part of the spectrum like I've been so focused on like the hurting part I was like I have to let myself hurt and I have to let myself like be in pain but like what comes after that and like I had never thought about what comes after all of that pain. In that book, I was like, oh, like, I can heal past this. And it was just kind of cool seeing, like, another person's perspective. Because a lot of time in art, like, all you see is, like, the pain and the sadness or right. whatever. And then, like, you don't think, like, you don't hear, at least, in, I mean, it, it's more, com I mean, I think it's more common now. I've seen, I'm <coughs> seeing more of it now. Maybe that's just because I'm open to it, but, like, you see the hurt and the breaking and all that stuff, but, like, you don't see the uplifting, like, oh, hey, this happened to me, but, like, I'm better now, um, and I, that's something that, like, I'm really, like, still even struggling with, is, like, being okay with, like, there's this poet, he's in Mike check or whatever, Jordan Hamilton, and, like, one of his poems is, like, uh, one of the lines is, like, or at least what, at peace with being broken, and it's like, damn, 
Yeah. Fellow redheads, bit and truth. <laughs> I'm just like, cool. I think it's really hard to write a song or like a poem or some piece or make a piece of art that comes from a place of hurt. Or maybe not even. Well, I guess it would kind of have to. But like to make it either hopeful or positive. Like I feel like it's a lot easier to write a song about a breakup or like someone mm-hmm. passing away or like something really tough that you're going through. And that's why that book was like so amazing for me because like if you like seriously like Milk and Honey is like the most heartbreaking book you've ever read in your life and you just like but then you read the healing and you're just like wow mm-hmm. like I can't believe that you wrote those three other sections and it's like a thick book too mm-hmm. it's like I can't believe you, re- you wrote all of those like super painful like heart-wrenching things and then you turned it into like I like I'm not okay, but like I'm okay with not being okay. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big distinct, like big important distinction of like I'm okay or like I'm okay with not being okay. Because I like firmly believe like I'll probably never be okay, yeah. <laughs> and that's like fine, I guess. I'm trying to undertake. I've been over the past couple of years um, trying to undertake this undertale. <laughs> Halo. <laughs> The devil, it's just the devil walks among us, and it's not the ginger in the room. <laughs> um, like undertake this big solo music thing where, like, I'm trying to, essentially, if I could take the last four years of my life and turn it into a book, mm-hmm. but through music. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. There's and the there's, artist in Kansas City. There's like are. chapters of it in each chapter. Mm-hmm five songs or whatever and kind of go through and it kind of goes through that whole cycle of like the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and kind of where it's settling at is like yeah I've been through whether these things are really bad or not that bad at all like I've been through all these things that I interpreted as very negative things that have had very negative effects on me but like now the Hindsight 50 50. Mm-hmm. Now that I've been through them, like it's definitely grown, like made me grow into the person that I am and become the person I am. And kind of like, you know, like these things suck, but I can use them to grow into a better person and be a better person and kind of learn from life instead of like, because I always try to look for silver linings in any situation um, that exists. So. Uh, I guess this is that's just kind of like where I'm trying to go with this is like yeah. I've had these really great things that happen in life I've had these really completely opposite of great <coughs> things happen in my life and I've had these very neutral things happen in life but like all of that has turned me into the person that I am today and I not that I would go through some of these things again but I think but it's like good that I went through them, them. yeah, yeah. One of the, I quote quotes all the time, uh, but one of the things that my favorite artist has said, Dustin Kinzer, obviously, yeah. uh, the guy from Thrice, um, when talking about his songwriting, um, he was saying that like, although a lot of the songs <coughs> that he writes come from like a dark place he's not trying to bring people down to where he's at he's always looking for a way out or and a way up mm-hmm. and what I've tried to do in my music is kind of emulate that 
um, where like I write about a lot of like uh, really tough things that mm-hmm. like happen in my life, and um, like even the name of the project that I started has to do with like understanding that for every dark part of life, there's always something that's positive or like light that you can find in it. Uh, so it's like finding the balance between never find the balance or the cure. Alright, well, so this, this this leads me into the piece of art that I wanted to talk about, which happens to be a song by Thrice. So, um, they released an album this year after four years of being on hiatus, and uh, one of the singles that they released is called Black Honey. Black Honey is about, um, like, the crisis, like, the oil crisis and, like, all the stuff going on in the Middle East. Uh, but he uses uh, an extended metaphor throughout the song of, like, like hey, the chorus is, yeah, I keep swinging my hand through a swarm of bees because I want honey on the table. Um, and the, um, the, the bridge of the song is, um, I don't understand why they're stinging me. They they sting my friends and family. They follow me back across the sea, home or something like that. And like it took a while for that song to really set in for me. But like it's really affected the way that I see myself in relation to my country, and the way that we interact in the world. And. Uh, uh, like it's made me feel very cautious about being patriotic because like not that I've ever been like super gung-ho America uh, with all like a lot of the things that we do like I'm really grateful for like the freedom that we have but like the cost of it yeah. like what we pay without thinking about it like yeah. It's like such a hard thing to like talk about though, because some yeah. people are like America, freedom, but it's like really like the yeah. phrase is fuck yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, was it uh, America? Fuck yeah! <laughs> you played Come around. Yeah, what movie is that? He yeah, played that America. He played America. that the card. I was like, no, not now. I played that on the way to go fuck the other day. Bugs. <laughs> fuck yeah! yeah. Slavery. Anyway. Uh, okay, oh, so like. Me. Um, back to this. It's been really tough for me to deal with that realization, and not that I didn't, I wasn't aware of it before, but it's it like reinforced or reminded me that the freedom that I enjoy comes at a real cost to people on the other side of the world. Like, I don't know if I deserve the kind of freedom that I like and able to enjoy, and. It also kind of reminds me of, like, growing up as a kid, like, because I had older sisters, and, like, even though they weren't, like, brothers who'd, like, pin me down and, like, punch me in the face or whatever, like, there was a lot of, like, I felt powerless a lot of times because, like, I was either told, like, that your sisters are in charge of you, so you better do what they say, blah, 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 like, whatever. And so there was always, like, this conflict of, like, power, you know, whenever, like, my sisters would, like, tell me what to do. I don't really like when people tell me what to do. Um, 
so like I'm having a really hard time verbalizing all of this, but essentially it comes down to like I sympathize with at least the motives of who we call terrorists. Like, not that, like, anyone killing anyone is a good thing, but, like, the reasons why they're reacting to America the way they do is because we've done some really awful things. And, like, I feel like I'm in a really weird place where I'm, like, understanding... You're, like, kind of confused. I'm very conflicted. Because, you know, at at the end of the day, like, we're all just people. Like, we're just trying to make the world safer for our own family. (laughs) Yeah, there's, like, some crazy-ass people who just want to do some crazy-ass shit because whatever. But, like, people aren't just nuts. Like, we all have a reason for... Why we went nuts. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, people want to protect their own. Like, that's a thing. And when you give people no other option but to retaliate. You just, like, go to your primal instincts. Yeah. And you're just like, I gotta fight yeah. <laughs> for this. So, I don't know. It's just, like, it's given me a lot of, like, weird mind fodder and, like, trying to cope with how I exist in the world or in my country and how that affects other people, and I just feel really weird about a lot of things. So, uh, and that ties into the song how? Uh, because it's about how we use them for oil. Okay. Yeah, and how can how like if you kick over a hornet's nest, you can't blame them for stinging you. Right. Oh man, yeah. You know. That's so frustrating. Yeah, like, I just. Sorry, you were talking. I totally interrupted. Oh no, I was just saying like. It's, I've never thought about it like that just because, like, as a white person who's, like, you know, generations have been in, in America for however long, whatever, like, I've never had to think of, like, it's really hard for me to think about patriotism because I've never been, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, I live in America, like, but maybe that just has to do with the fact that I've never been anywhere other than America, mm-hmm. that I've never, like, thought about um, what occurs outside and like how we affect the rest of the world mm-hmm. and honestly I think that's like kind of like I'm like not like a conspiracy theorist or whatever but I seriously I think America has brainwashed us <laughs> in a way if not brainwashed us just conditioned us to think a certain way mm-hmm. and like that messes me up because I think all the time I'm just like why do I why do I think this way mm-hmm. like and you know we kind of even talked about it at the beginning that's like at the beginning of the podcast it's like why why am I thinking these things who put this idea in my head is this an original thought mm-hmm. inception dude yeah Don't nothing's think. original you were like what is the cost of our freedom and yeah. I was like it's a buckle five um, I just think that art is so cool because whoever the artist is that, that creates it that creates it has creates shit I, it was just a slur. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm offended. I hate you guys so much. Um, you know, hindsight's fifty-fifty. Maybe you should use that phrase. They, I listen to you. They create their art with the 
specific purpose or they have a specific meaning for it in mind. And then us as consumers can look at it and kind of plug plug ourselves into it how we like see it fit for our lives or kind of mold the meaning how it applies to us and kind of find ourselves in the art and I think that's just such a cool thing because it's not so cut and dry like it can mean whatever it needs to mean to anyone at any particular point in time like I seriously doubt like these video game developers are like yo I'm developing this game and this game is gonna help someone through this tough time in life like Civilization has nothing to do with it. There's no story to be learned from it, and there's no moral lesson to be learned from it. But it was like something I found solace in, and like I think that's <clears throat> that's a very cool thing about art is we can kind of make it what we want. And like mm-hmm. we've talked about it many, at least me and Jonathan have many mm-hmm. times on this podcast of just worlds that movies and books and video games create you can kind of start to apply your world and make it into that world where you start seeing yourself as this particular character and like your friend groups are all these different particular characters Um, and it's just like it's a healthy way to disconnect from reality and kind of live another world and like another life whether like you could be the happiest person in the world or like the most depressed person in the world but like it's still kind of nice to be able to disassociate from reality and just kind mm-hmm. of live how you want things to be for a little bit so to close this out mm-hmm. a little monologue um, today in one of my classes <clears throat> it's ag leadership right anyways uh, isn't that the major that all the football players do exactly it is um, and I'm not doing very well in that class <laughs> um, but it's because I don't go I need to go. That is the story of my life. Yeah. Well, uh, like, we've learned about, like, he calls them, like, our five great leaders, and we went through the fifth one today. But, like, previous ones have been, like, Johnny Cash and Steve Jobs. Um, really? Yeah. Weird. Um, I would not think those names when you mix each other. Our, um, our fifth, like, and final great leader that okay. we learned about was Jim Henson, um, who is the creator of Sesame Street and the Muppets. Um, and uh, like um, like we just kept watching like different documentary clips and videos um, basically about um, like one of his biggest philosophies was um, to always be humble Um, uh, while he was alive and the Muppet show was running on air um, his name didn't appear in the credits um, oh, interesting. Everybody else's did. Um, he always wanted to have um, equal credit for everybody who was involved. And then the other thing was he wanted to, to teach, which was part of um, why he started stuff like the Muppets and Sesame Street um, as a way for kids to learn through television. Um, but also the, his very purposeful use of monsters um, that had real ambitions and dreams and struggles um, and the more you watched it the more you kind of got the feel that um, his most famous uh, character which would be Kermit the Frog like was a projection of himself and his life um, growing up and wanting to be something 
big, wanting to do something um, substantial with his life by making people laugh. Um, and a good chunk of the videos that we watched were of his memorial service, which was, um, I believe, in 1990. Um, he passed away um, from what he had thought was just a regular cold that he was having trouble shrugging off. Um, and eventually it was bad enough that he uh, called a cab to take himself to the hospital. Um, and part of his upbringing was just not you, not going to doctors unless he really needed to. Um, and the cab driver uh, dropped him off on the wrong side of the hospital. And he ended up having to walk two blocks um, to be able to get to the entrance of the hospital in a near-death condition. Um, but he did that, he told the nurses, because he didn't want to bother the cab driver. Um, uh, just a very sort of, he was a very selfless, um, selfless, really genuine guy. Um, one of his best friends, I can't think of the guy's name, um, but uh, the guy started working for him when he was 19 um, on The Muppet Show. Uh, and would go on to be the voice of Bert to Jim Henson's Ernie. Mm -hmm. um, and then in his solo career, he was, um, he did the puppeteering for Yoda and was the voice of Yoda oh, interesting. in really? Star Wars movies. Um, and he was talking about, they had a bit with Bert and Ernie that they were supposed to do on SNL. And um, they sort of took a break and they were standing in the hallway um, and Jim Henson looked at him and said, hey, I, I need you to do something for me. And he said, okay. And he said, I need you to go in the dressing room and take off all your clothes so I can take a picture of you naked. Um, and he said that they, uh, this guy is giving this speech, like telling the story at Jim Henson's memorial service. Um, and they talked it over back and forth, but like he knew and trusted Jim Henson. So eventually after some coaxing he did it um, and they went into the dressing room and he told him to stand um, with his hands over his genitals like leaning forward a little bit with a surprised look on his face and about a year went by and he never knew why Jim took that picture um, but Jim gave him this sort of statue um, uh, that was about as big as like the regular human torso mm -hmm. but um, the top of it was Bert um, from Sesame Street, which was the character that this guy played. Um, and then at around Bert's chest, there was this uh, hand-carved wooden ledge. Um, and sitting on the ledge were a bunch of smaller Berts. Um, and in between those were all the different people who... Uh, pictures of all the different people that uh, Jim Henson had cut out by hand and uh, pasted onto the wood. Um, the people who were involved in creating the character of Bert um, and bringing that to life. Um, and there were these hand-painted layers that were supposed to represent the inner layers of Bert's mind. Um, and he basically talked about this extremely intricate detail that went in, like all the work that went into this gift. And um, the very, uh, like the black of Bert's eyes had been cut out. And if you looked inside, there was a picture of him 
uh, <laughs> covering his genitals, looking oh surprised. Oh my god! And the title of the the piece was "Bert in Self Contemplation." Um, Beautiful. But like Jim Henson was a guy who, um, his wife left him. He was divorced with kids. Um, uh, he stayed friends with his wife for the rest of his life, but it was he didn't have time for his family because of all the time he spent working. Um, and it dawned on him the amount of work and intricacy that went into this gift that he would have had to have taken um, the time he would have had to find to be able to make that um, and at the very end of the memorial service um, that guy who played Bert uh, with his Bert puppet and then um, there was a gentleman who was Fozzie Bear and they had Miss Piggy and um, uh, someone with an Ernie puppet uh, they had Gonzo and uh, the Grouch from Sesame Street um, and they were all together with their puppets um, and they sang a song from, it was either the Muppets or Sesame Street um, and basically the start of the song is talking about um, how like the only difference that it can take or like the only thing that it can take to make um, the biggest difference in someone's life is one person believing in them um, and as long as that one person believes in them then maybe it'll be two and then maybe it'll be three and as each as they grow the number um, more puppets come out on the stage and once they get to four they say well and then why not more and then the full cast of all these characters that um, Jim Henson created in his life uh, come out and they're singing this song um, in a chorus that's basically sort of the epitome of how he affected people's lives um, and uh, I was sitting in class I teared up, it was super embarrassing <laughs> like the tear fell on the paper and it made like an audible like and the girl looked at me so like a very movie-esque yeah, like, the girl like looked at me and I was just like Trying to it off, but of course yeah. I like smudge the ink. Oh <laughs> no! Well, okay. Now you're making me sound like a jerk. I'm crying. All right, I'm the sympathetic person in the story. Anyways, um, I didn't know that much about um, Jim Henson, but just watching videos of this guy's memorial service, like which happened. 26 years ago mm-hmm. um, like Good gave me like inspiration on a day when like the day prior I had pretty much stayed in bed all day and mm-hmm. didn't feel like I could get out of it um, I don't know it was a weird place to find that but we were talking about stuff that kind of affected you yeah. and I figured that would be a cool story to share oh absolutely um, yeah. it's super interesting like, I didn't know any of that stuff like one of my things on my to-do list tomorrow is to go and watch the full um, the full memorial service of just the people talking about um, the way that the ways that this guy affected their life um, and from an industry standpoint he um, like revolutionized the TV industry like is part of the reason why SNL exists like it does because of the Muppet Show. Um, really? Like, it's a 
he just lived an incredible life and died pretty pretty early but um, it's crazy like I saw that the memorial service took place in 1990 and thought about um, all the memories I have of watching movies like Muppets in Space if y'all have seen that one um, yeah. but like stuff that has come along even after his passing but that legacy and those characters um, and even sort of the spirit of who he was like in Kermit the Frog like is still there mm-hmm. um, Sipplemus T <laughs> it's a like it's a really sort of profound legacy to leave behind yeah. that I'm hard pressed to think of anybody who's left something like that to where almost every okay to where almost every kid like you're cut off almost every kid like in America uh, has some yeah. sort of ties and has been yeah. affected that's crazy or has been taught something uh, by something that he created yeah, yeah. a man who um, oh so yeah crazy. the important thing about him not wanting to bother the taxi driver is the doctor said that if he had come to the like um, hospital like within an hour earlier or if he hadn't exerted himself more than he needed to that they were really confident that they would have been able to save him that really? within like the last little bit of that was whenever he went past being, them being able to save him um, yeah. it had to do with whether or not they could treat him with penicillin mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah sort of his philosophy even leading him to um, what would be his death but yeah super cool super sad story but what a way yeah, to end a podcast right yeah if you don't know too much about Jim Henson you should go I'll definitely have to look into him more after saying after what you just said yeah it really it makes me want to go back and watch whenever I was a kid and Netflix like renting DVDs on Netflix through yeah. the mail was a thing uh, my family had the two DVD package, so like my parents would rent their movies through one of the DVDs that we would get at a time, and then the other ones were just each season of The Muppet Show. <laughs> and I would watch all of them, and all of the guest stars that are on are people from the 70s and 80s that I don't even know. But um, like, I couldn't tell you. Brooke Shields. Of them. Probably, probably. Nick Shields. Nick Shields. Nick Shields was definitely a guest on the other show. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Anyways, um, this was not that you care. Not that you care. Um, I care. My name is Jonathan Richter, and I hosted this bitch. Nice. Uh, Austin is asleep right now. Yeah, fell asleep a long time ago. That's so. why you haven't heard her. You probably heard you her probably snoring. Heard her. Yeah. Yeah, and if you've heard a TV in the background, my apologies, but. S-O-C-K-S is what is it? Socks? Yeah, socks. Um, joining me was Nick Shields. Hey. It was a good time. And Aaron Gonzalez. Yo. Duh. Yo, duh. Uh, uh, we just talked about uh, And it's late. Aaron, no. And do you remember the last name now? My, na- my name doesn't matter. Aaron, and do you remember the last name? No, I don't. I, I'm Sam. Sam's. Hi, I'm Sam. Sloop. Sam Slo- Sloops. Slo- 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 Slo
Well, thank you for joining us. This was the first Not The Ecra episode with girls. Hopefully that's a thing we have more often. Yes. Yeah, we need to stop being so it's white male. Hey, hey we should. had hey. the woman. We had you and the Aaron, and that's like... And Carlos. And... And Daniel. And Daniel. Okay, so it's just like females. All right. And Lorenzo. My friend Lorenzo was on. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's just, it's just... It's just that the short... Like, usually my last minute, like, hey, can you podcast in an hour? Like, my short list of people to text doesn't... Yeah, me and you don't have any friends, so... We just don't. Thank you. Anyways. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Not that you care. Aaron, sing the Thrice song. Keep swinging my hand through a swarm of bees Cause I want honey on the tube <laughs> <laughs>